My name is Nick Adams, and I am the youth pastor here at Lakeside Baptist Church. Nice to be with you this morning. Uh, we had a group of 30 somewhat rambunctious kids out to the rec room on Friday night, and some rambunctious leaders as well. I don't know if this is uh, something they want to advertise, but there's a lot of people that like karaoke in this church. <laughs> ben Schmidt, hey, needed a shovel to get the microphone out of his hand. It, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, for those of you that have already noticed, there's a lot of perceptive people here this morning that have already mentioned that they can see I'm not wearing my wig anymore, so I've got rid of that. Uh, prayers have been answered. Ken Tink's not here, but he mentioned something to me at the annual meeting that it was God's will or something that I get a haircut, and I'm just joking. Um, Two times this week, so in the last seven days, there's been some celebrations of evil. We had Halloween last week, uh, where I used and manipulated my two-year-old daughter to go out there and get me candy. It was just brilliant. You just send them out, and then they bring it back, and they're not like You can't give a two-year-old candy, right? So, And then this evil that happened this morning where the clocks go back. I don't know any other parents that just hate this whole clock change thing because the kids just don't get it right away, right? The kids don't get it. So when the kids normally wake up at 6.30, hey, morning, 5.30, ugh. So this morning's not so bad, but tomorrow and the next day are going to be just adventures. So parents, uh, I'm there with you with this clock change thing. Now, if you've been with us for the past, it's been eight weeks now. I don't know if you've been keeping track We've been doing this series on, and I already put the slide up, so I was going to quiz you and say what's the series been on, but now you can see that we've been talking about discipleship. And uh, we started by looking at this foundational um, concept in discipleship, this short parable of the treasure hidden in a field, and that a man, when he found that out of his joy, he went and sold uh, all his possessions and bought that field. And so we've been looking at that, and then two weeks ago we reached this point where we finally got to that part that we've been waiting for, the Great Commission, right? This go and make disciples. And we had this wonderful teaching uh, talking about how this is the impossible possible mission or the possible impossible mission because not a single person in here can make a disciple. It's God who does that transaction in people's hearts. Uh, but we are to go and be a part of that, and we'll talk about um, a little bit more about that this morning. And last week we had this great teaching around three Greek words. Who remembers what the words were? I had to go back and listen to it as well, so don't worry. But I remember two out of three, and two out of three isn't, ain't bad as far as meatloaf is uh, concerned. And so the words were epithumia, which is um, this idea, this warning of being overly passionate about things that we shouldn't be. And then there's palingenesia, which is this idea of rebirth and the rebirth that has happened and that will happen when all things will be new again. And then the final word was logizomeo. Logizomeo. Okay. And it's this accounting term which is used in this reference that we should uh, consider it to be true. Consider that, uh, that we can count on these promises and we are sure of them because the, our ledger reflects uh, an accurate standing before God. And so I don't know if you've been like me, I've felt really challenged over this, uh, over this sermon series. Uh, it's, it's laid some serious foundation on what it is to be a disciple of Christ. And so 
as I prepared this week to preach, I got the distinct impression that we needed a reading week. Is anyone familiar with what reading week is? It's this thing that college kids get, and then the theory behind it is they're supposed to catch up on all their reading, right? When in reality, it's just a time for them to come home, bring six loads of laundry, uh, recover from vitamin deficiencies because they've been eating craft dinner without the butter or the milk or anything in it, just with water. Um, and so that's, and, and I guess if, if reading was synonymous with sleeping, then you'd have an accurate idea of what reading week is. Um, so in this course that we're in uh, on Discipleship 101, I wanted just to kind of step back a little bit, kind of... Uh, refresh ourselves, take a look at, at really things in, in a simple term. And I was thinking this week, and, and I've got this clicker, and I'm, I'm hoping it really works today because um, there's a lot of stuff on this thing that I need. So, uh, Discipleship 101. And I figured there ought to be a book, right? There ought to be a book that explained in easy to understand a step-by-step instructional manual on how to follow Jesus, right? There should be a book, and uh, somebody pointed out to me this week that there actually is a book, and it's uh, the Bible, and if I had the next... Uh, the batteries are dead, Val. Where's Val? Oh, I think I think Sarah's... Ba- are you bailing me out there and moving the slides? Oh, man. Okay, this will be exciting. All right. Okay, so there ought to be a book, right? And uh, somebody said that there is a book, it's the Bible, and it is pretty good at, at uh, explaining these things to us. And, uh, oh boy, you're going to have to bail me out. So you just got to, just every, every, every second that I speak, you're going to have to probably knock a slide forward, because this thing, there's no green light or anything on it. And the battery light's on, does that mean it's, oh, okay, so here's the book I was looking for, right? <laughs> now, not to, not to single out anyone here in the congregation, but we've all looked at these books before, haven't we? These books for dummies. And it's not to indicate that any of us are dummies, but sometimes we just need things explained uh, a little bit uh, more easily. Um, things like Spanish for dummies, great thing if you're going to a foreign country just to pick up those little phrases. Uh, Windows 10, I, I mean, who hasn't got the new operating system on their computer and needed some sort of explanation as to how the darn thing works? Um, Moving through, just keep going. Yeah, I'll just catch up to you. Cricket for dummies. I mean, if anyone ever spent any time and watched that game, you'd need a manual to figure it out. The next one, uh, guys, there could be 20 or 30 volumes in these books that we need in how to understand our wives' uh, relationships, being a father, the dad's uh, guide to pregnancy for dummies. Now, uh, some of the lesser-known ones and ones that I'm not sure if you... uh, Starting a restaurant for dummies, uh, I don't know if that's really kind of what you should be doing if you're going and getting that book. Uh, Chihuahuas for dummies. I mean, really? Do we need a book about chihuahuas? Conspiracy theories and secret societies for dummies. That's kind of an oxymoron, right? Like, it's, if you are, yeah, anyway, I'll let you figure that out. They've even come up with a dummies book for dummies now. So it's actually how to understand the dummies books, and so there's a manual on that. And so uh, in my searching, I finally found what I was looking for, and there it is. Discipleship for dummies, right? This is what I needed. It says right on the cover, Skip years of practice and celibacy with this easy-to-use book. So I'm like all over it. I'm like, Amazon Prime, get it here in two days. I'll read it, preach on it. And then I found out uh, that it's not a real book. (laughs) We've reached this stage in our society now 
where you can actually get a generator and you can generate your own dummies covers for books. Isn't technology wonderful, right? And so I found myself behind that proverbial eight ball and I said, so what am I going to do? And so I decided to go and write the book myself. And so for your consideration this morning, just hit, just keep hammering it, Sarah. Yeah, there we go. Uh, you'll, you'll follow it as I go. It's, it's, it's really quick. Um, we're going to hope that it catches up, but the chapter one in, in Discipleship for Dummies, it's asking you this question, and it's what kind of ship are you on? What kind of ship are you on? Um, is it a cargo ship? You can just back up one, sorry. <laughs> now she's going to go. Uh, is it a cargo ship? Is your discipleship journey this cargo ship? And you've got lots of different compartments and containers. And you've got your Jesus and church container. And beside that is your work container. And beside that is your family container. And you're loaded up with all these containers and you're just traveling through life. Or perhaps other people have started to put stuff onto your ship that isn't yours. Right? This is the story of a cargo ship. You're carrying around all this stuff that isn't yours. And sooner or later it can lead to this sort of thing. Right? You capsize because... Number one, our faith isn't something that should be compartmentalized. Uh, and number two, we shouldn't be carrying around all these things that are other people's. Uh, perhaps your ship, your discipleship, is uh, better uh, termed as a cruise ship. And your cruise ship, is, it's this massive thing, and it's, and it's been designed for your comfort and for your entertainment. It's got all your amenities on board. You're getting fed. You hang out with a lot of different people. It's a five-star. You've got everything right at your fingertips whenever you need it. Is this your discipleship that you're on? Because the problem with this kind of ship is that someone else is driving it, right? Someone else is, is actually captaining this ship. And even the best cruise ships in the world can run aground, right? And so we have to be really careful uh, if our discipleship is a cruise ship. So for your consideration, maybe your discipleship is more like a battleship. And maybe some people can uh, can identify with this. You've got all your missiles, right? They're loaded, and they're, the torpedo tubes are flooded, and your deck cannons are just ready to go. And you're just waiting for somebody to come into your water so you can just fire with all cylinders, right? Let them have it. You've got your scriptures loaded up. And the problem with this is that if you go around looking for trouble, you just might find it. And you see, we're people, Christians, and we're designed for peace. Right? So we're not designed to go out and make war and make conflict. And so if we have this idea of a battleship to start wars, um, we can end up taking heavy losses. So we need to be vessels of peace. I think if we're talking about discipleship, if we're going to ask what kind of ship you're on, I think this next slide really describes what our journey is, our discipleship journey. Isn't that it right there? Isn't that it? It's about modesty, right? It's about packing light for the journey. This is the thing God is calling us to do. See, when God called the first disciples, He called them to leave their life of being fishermen. So, two guys in a dinghy uh, fishing seems to be the best ship to describe our journey. We know that the journey as well is about the time in the boat. It's not just about the big catch all the time. right? And if we really think about it, sometimes we can be out there using the same bait, fishing in the same spot, and just nothing's happening. Right? That's sometimes our journey as disciples, where we're just out there doing things, and it seems like nothing's going on, but we have to trust that God is working behind those scenes. And sometimes we have to consider our journey as just boat time. And that's the thing I love about fishing the most, 
it's, it's not necessarily reeling in that big fish, because I've never caught a big fish. There's only been little ones. Um, but it's about that time in the boat. It's time spent together. And so that's why I want you con- to consider today is the fact that our journey is more about this small, intimate journey in a fishing boat and in a very bad fishing boat too. So moving on to chapter 2 of our book. Uh, chapter 2 in Discipleship for Dummies reads like this. There are two eyes in Disciple. It's like, oh, this is getting heavy, right? Let me just back off a little. There's two eyes in Disciple. So what are they? What are the two eyes in Disciple? Well, the eye, the first eye is you, right? So that's your first eye. And the other eye in Disciple would be Jesus, right? This is all it is to be a disciple. It's about you and Jesus. It's about you following Jesus, uh, because a disciple, just to give you a few other words, a disciple uh, is a student, right? A disciple is a, a pupil. A disciple is an apprentice. And so all of these words denote this, this learning process. And really, um, a disciple is someone who's committed to the teachings of a leader. That's a disciple. And we see in Scripture, even before it talks about Jesus' disciples, we hear that uh, John the Baptist had disciples. It says that John the Baptist and his disciples were baptizing on the side of the Jordan, right? And we even, uh, we even read in Scripture about the Pharisees themselves calling themselves Moses' disciples, is what they're called. And then even at the beginning of Mark, we have this picture of the Pharisees themselves having disciples. So disciples are just people who are committed to the teachings of their leader. And so when it comes to us in this second chapter of Discipleship for Dummies, we are committed to the teachings. We are followers of Jesus Christ as disciples. Okay, so that's... Is, that, is this pretty simple? See, it's, it's a For Dummies book, right? So it's just, we're going to walk through this really quick. Chapter 3, moving on. Chapter 3. There are three eyes in discipleship. This is getting really in-depth now. Okay, the three eyes of discipleship. What would the first eye be? Hey, who got that? Wow, you. Yeah, the first eye is you. Right? The next eye is who? Yeah. So what's that next eye? It's someone else. It's someone else. Here is... The good news. Uh, while being a disciple of Jesus is about our relationship, our commitment to the teachings of Jesus Christ and following Him, this idea of discipleship, this growth, comes by doing it alongside others. There is someone else in that process. Unless you're locked in a prison cell somewhere and you're in solitary confinement, there is somebody else that God has in store for you to walk alongside of you in your journey. And God has maybe you as that person to walk alongside someone else. Um, There's scriptures to support this. And if we look at uh, Proverbs 27.17, it says, So it is as iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens another. So we, we are these instruments that are to be sharpening each other, to be in relationship with each other, to be coming alongside each other. And another one is in Ecclesiastes. So in Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says uh, one can be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So this 
is discipleship. This is this idea of that you get two people committed to the teachings of Jesus Christ and they come alongside each other and they grow in this relationship, grow in their knowledge of their Lord and Savior uh, and are there to support and encourage each other. Moving right along into chapter 4, we get this tension that's created now. We have this chapter called Not Necessarily Discipleship. And so we're going to go through a list quickly of things that in themselves aren't necessarily discipleship without some key ingredients in place. So just to go through these quickly, we have um, accountability groups. Accountability groups. Uh, We have uh, Bible study groups. We have training seminars. The next one really got me. Hanging out with old dudes. Like that in itself is not discipleship. Um, (laughs) This one got me as well. Uh, Listening to great teaching in itself is not discipleship. You see, all of these things can be part of our discipleship journey. But each of them individually is not. Even the last one, even evangelizing and converting in itself is not discipleship. So what's missing? And so I want to talk about really the three I's that are key ingredients. They all start with I. They're all key ingredients in this thing that we do with each other, which is discipleship. And so I want to start with these three words. Uh, The first being intentional. Discipleship is intentional. Uh, The second one being uh, it takes investment. And the third, uh, involvement. So intentional. So just to quickly go through this, the meanings. uh, Intentional uh, means it was done in a way that was planned. Something that is done in a way that was planned. There was no accident to this happening. It was deliberate, it was calculated, and it was willful. These are all things to describe what intentional means. Uh, It's not something that was done by accident or by chance. And when it comes to, uh, to, to, to our discipleship, we do this... Our gaining knowledge isn't about uh, getting smarter, right? So we become intentionally students of the Word. This is part of our discipleship. It's not just to have this book knowledge or smarts. What we want is the transformational wisdom that comes from Scripture. So we go from attaining uh, knowledge or information into turning this information that, 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 that we're getting out of Scripture into actual wisdom, into ways that we can we can live our life. It says that The Word of God is active and alive, right? And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so, as we read Scripture, the Holy Spirit is then reading us and reading our hearts. And we get this interaction with Scripture. Uh, That's why it says, without the Holy Spirit, you know, Scripture doesn't make sense. I talked to someone who had read the Bible, and he just said, oh, I I didn't really understand it. I didn't get it. And sure, there are things we need to like gain an understanding of over time. But this person just didn't see the truth that was in there. It's because they didn't have the Holy Spirit there uh, telling them that that was in fact true. And so this is why when we preach, we preach Scripture. Uh, because as Scripture goes out, as God's Word goes out, it does carry that power with it. And this is where we get this idea that we're then turning from a student into a teacher. And I know sometimes that 
that pushes some of us. We say, well, I don't really know enough. I don't really know enough to go and then teach someone what Scripture says. We've got to get to learn our Scripture. We've got to know what it is that we believe so we can share that with other people. And so we do turn this corner where at some point in discipleship, we have to come alongside someone else who knows a little less than we do. And in a perfect situation, we're, we're coming along, someone's coming alongside us who might know more than us. And we're coming along someone, along someone else who knows a little bit less than us. And see, we're seeking out. Discipleship is about seeking out those who are faithful. So people who are followers of Jesus. And who are available. Who say, yeah, I'm in this. I want this. And that those are teachable as well. So those are the three things that we look for in this intentional relationship that we're looking to get into. So what did Jesus do then? So bringing it to what Jesus did. Well, He chose His disciples, it says. And so we need to go and do the same thing. We need to be choosing or identifying people that we want to be in a discipleship relationship with. It says in John 15:16, it says, You did not choose Me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in My name, the Father will give you. We had this, somebody said this in our prayer time this morning. Once you get to this realization that, that you didn't pick Jesus, right? That you didn't line up all of these religions and these different philosophies and ways of life. You didn't line them up and choose which one you were going to follow. That actually, God chose you. When you get that movement in your heart and that understanding that Jesus chose you and that He bought you with a price. You see, that's where, that's where this love from the parable comes from. That's where this man went and sold everything he had out of the joy in his heart. You see, in the same way, God has put people in our lives today, and sometimes we might ask God, why did you put that person in my life, God? We have to realize that, that all these people that are around us are around us for a reason. And this leads us into this second eye that we need. This second ingredient in this act of discipling or discipleship is investment. And as you financial people out there know, investment is this idea that we want to put something in and get something back at a later time. It's, it's devoting time or effort to an activity with the expectation of a positive result. That's investment. And so, discipleship requires this investment. It, re- it requires contribution and sacrifice. These are what, these are what investments take. Um, discipleship requires time and effort in order to make a positive impact. And so, how does this look like in our, what does this look like in our church? In the body of Christ, what it means investment-wise is we build real relationships with each other. This is important. Our relationships need to move from how are you doing to how are you doing, right? It needs to cross over into that territory where we're starting to invade each other's lives a little bit. You see, we commit to this for the long haul. This is what we're in discipleship for. Although we might be in a time and place for a short time, when we're in that time and place, we invest fully into it. That's what's required. You see, we understand that this is a process. 
It takes time and it takes commitment in order for it to have lasting benefits. That's the investment part of it. So what did Jesus do? Well, you know that he did it perfectly, of course. He, uh, he had personal investment. It says that he dined with sinners and tax collectors, right? But the majority of his time was spent with the twelve. It's this stuff that we don't get specific references to in Scripture. But imagine how many times he must have just said, Good night, John. Good night, Peter. Good night, Judas. You know, they did life together. And really, in Jesus' term, the fact that we're still standing around here 2,000 years later and talking about it, I would say the three-year investment that Jesus made into that 12 probably paid off. Wouldn't you agree? The fact that it's still going on. And this is still the way it's done today. It takes personal investment. And this goes into our final eye. So our final ingredient that we're going to need in this discipleship, in order for it to be discipleship, is involvement. This is where programs meet people and they get mixed together. It's this act of participation, right? It's participating. It involves action. It involves collaboration. This is where the act of discipleship, this... um, it's not just resting in that knowledge. It's not just saying, wow, like I'm, I'm resting in who Jesus is and I'm just, I totally get it. I'm so happy that Jesus came and died for me. It's then going out and it's action. So this knowledge is moving us forward into involvement. And how this works in the church is um, we do life together, right? That's the first thing we do. We do life together. We do the everyday stuff together. We eat meals together. We hang out together. And then, that's just not enough though. We do ministry together. So we do life together and we do ministry together. You see, we are the church, right? We are the body of Christ. And we have a mission here. We have a work that needs to get done. And we lean on each other for support as we go about this work every step of the way. That's what involvement is. So what did Jesus do? Well, He clearly involved the twelve in His ministry. He involved them. He didn't just ask them to stand on the sidelines and say, hey guys, watch this. It says, He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. Go! I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. See, even though it was dangerous, Jesus knew it would be dangerous out there. That they'd be like lambs among wolves. He needed them out there. He needs us out there. We need to be out there. Involved in what Jesus is involved in. Working alongside others who are called to do that same sort of work. And so, um, my confession today is is that's as far as I got writing this Discipleship for Dummies book. And that's okay. I wanted to give you some some practical application stuff. Because this could very well be the end of the sermon series. I'm not sure. We were, you know, Pastor Paul and I spoke before he went away. 
And I have a feeling he's going to come back and just put a big bow on it and wrap it up for you. But, but if that was all we had, if that last eight weeks was all we had to try and figure out what it is we need to do, number one, as disciples of Jesus, and then to go and disciple, uh, to be practicing this discipleship, is it enough? Do we have enough of an understanding? Do, we, do you understand the love that God had for you, right? When He died on the cross for you. Because that's the start of that discipleship. <clears throat> is understanding that love. And it's this relationship that God wants to have with us that is unlike any other relationship in our life. Because there's this demand that although we don't have to do anything else to earn His favor or His love, there's this demand in our life that because of our love, because of our thankfulness and gratefulness for what He's done for us, we then act out and we do. We aren't just beings, we're doers. And there's this transformation that we get. It changes our way of thinking if we open ourselves up to it. We start to get this little glimpse of how God sees things as we're going along the journey. And we've got this we got this idea of the kingdom of God and how it's it's here, but it's not quite here yet. We get this glimpse. And my prayer for you today wherever you find yourself on this discipleship spectrum, that you would just take the next step that God is asking you to take. Sometimes we look too far down the road and we're looking a kilometer ahead or 10 kilometers ahead or we've got Google Maps out and we're just looking at the whole thing and we're going, it's just too massive. I just don't know what to do. And so very rarely maybe we take a look down and say, wow, all I need to do is take this next step. Right? And then once I've taken that step, you know, the next step will, will take care of itself. But it's that next step. So I want you each to consider in your heart today what that next step is. Because this may be the end of a series. This may, this may be the end of a sermon series. That is true. But this discipleship thing is a continuation of your way of life. That's what you need to choose. Is this something I'm going to continue? Or am I done? As you look back at your own life, if you're a little bit older than I am, can you look back and see those people who walked alongside of you through your journey? Because they're there. They should be there. And if you're younger, can you look around at some of the more senior people in our congregation and say, wow, I'd really like to, to hang out with that person and to, to get an idea of what it's like to follow God from that person's perspective? Because that's what it's going to take as a church for us to continue in this process is one person coming alongside one person. And all of those things that were not necessarily discipleship, if we're using these things like intentionality and investment and involvement, any one of those things can be discipleship. right? The accountability group, the Bible study group, seminars, those can all be discipleship. As long as we use all those things. At the end of the day, when it comes to discipleship, I just want to say, just do it, right? That's the encouragement for us, is that we just need to do it. We need to do it because God wants us to do it. That's the first thing, right? God called us to do it. But here's the thing, it's good for you. It's one of those things, right? When your mom told you to eat broccoli, right? She says, it's good for you. I guess it is good for you. But then after a while, it's like, it's good, man. Broccoli is good. Especially with the dip. Mmm. But... 
But here's the thing, right? Don't just do it because you have to. Do it because you want to. And here's the other part, right? Do it because we as a church, we need you, right? We need you, and we need each other. Let's pray. Hey, God, uh, I don't know if it's the end. I don't know if this is the end of our series on discipleship. God, I know it's not the end of our individual journeys of discipleship. God, that you have called us uh, to continue to grow in our knowledge, our knowledge of you, Lord Jesus. Not just for the sake of having that information, for having all those facts and figures and stats and people and places. God, but to get that transformation that comes from your word, that transformation that each person who calls you Lord has gotten at some point in their life. And God, so I just pray by the power of your spirit, you'd impress upon our hearts today what that next step is, what we need to do in obedience, what we need to do to grow closer to you, to grow closer to one another in this congregation, God. Being a disciple is between us and you. It's just between our our own personal relationship. That's where that thing comes from. But God, discipleship is not meant to be done uh, just with us and you. It's meant to be done in community with each other. And God, so I just pray that we'll continue to develop these, these relationships within our congregation. God, not for our benefit but so that we can uh, be your hands and feet in this world, that we can go out and carry out your mission, first in this community, God, and then wherever each one of us will get, uh, get placed or displaced by you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your mighty name. Amen.